رب العالمين وصلى الله وبارك على الأشرف الأنبياء ومرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا أما بعض فحياكم الله جميعا وبارك الله فيكم الحمد لله in a previous lesson, a previous sitting where we had the lesson with one another in each other's company in Manchester, we completed the discussion and this, the uh, sharh of the hadith, Mashhur, based on the hadith of Jibreel, yani, the hadith well known by the name Hadith of Jibreel, and within this narration, we uh, we discussed some of the main points in, surrounding it. However, when we were going through the the Sharh al Hadith of Jibril, and within the narration, Jibril in the form of the man asked the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, Islam, inform me of Islam." The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam he mentions. Al-Islam and Tashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa anna Muhammad Rasulullah wa taqimu salata wa tu'ti zakata wa tasumu ramadan wa tahijju al-bayt wa nasata'i alayhi sabi'ilah Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he mentions that Islam is to bear witness and there's no deity worthy worship besides Allah and that Muhammad is the Messenger of Allah and to establish the prayer and give the zakat and fast the month of Ramadan and to perform the hajj to the bait of Allah, the house of Allah, whoever is able to do so in that way. Thereafter, we mentioned in during the sharh that we will go into some more, de- more details and more depth of this, uh, this aspect of the arkan of Islam within this next narration. And the narration that we we intend to cover today, inshallah ta'ala. So we mentioned the um, the affair of Islam and how Islam within this narration was defined by way of the amal al-zahira. The Islam was defined by way of yani, actions which are apparent, yani, clear and apparent actions. Whilst Iman within the same narration, like this hadith of Jibreel, was defined by way of the tiqad, they decreed what a person believes by way of their belief in Allah, the angels, the books, the messengers, the final day, and the qadr, in the good of it and the bad. Within this narration, this is the third narration now found in Anawi's uh, uh, collection, 40 hadith, it's the narration of Abdullah and Abdullah ibn Umar, رَجِلَوْا عَنْهُمَا قَالْ قَرْ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ أو سمت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول بني للإسلام بني للإسلام ولا الخمس شهادة أن لا إله إلا الله وأن محمد رسول الله وإقامة الصلاة وإيتاء الزكاة وتصوب رمضان وتحج البيت or in some narrations with the Hajj al-Bayt to Sumer Ramadan. So, Ibn Umar, Radiallahu Anhumah, 
he mentions that the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam he said Islam is built upon five five affairs the shahada of la ilaha illallah and Muhammad Rasulullah establishing the prayer giving a zakah fasting of Ramadan and performing the hajj to Baytullah al-Haram and so this is the discussion from the Messenger of Allah وسلم, in his mentioning that Islam is built upon five central affairs that Islam is built upon five main and central affairs the first of them is that he begins with the shahada of La ilaha illallah wa anna Muhammad Rasulullah this affair of the shahada, first and foremost, the shahada ten is one that is, or what the shahada ten necessitates that a person believes that which they're stating upon their tongue, and likewise they state it upon their tongue as well. And this is what Sheikh Al Fawzan. Hafidhullah, he mentions the relation to the Shahadatain. He mentions that it has to be stated upon the tongue and it has to be believed. I, that which the person states, that there has to be the belief within the heart. If a person merely states it upon the tongue without believing it within their heart, then this is the Shahada of the Munafiq. I, the monafic that makes Islam apparent in his actions and his speech. However, that which he holds within is kufr, I, disbelief, and the opposition to Islam. Likewise, it's not sufficient that a person merely just believes the shahada, merely believes it within their heart. However, they do not state it upon the tongue. For example, the one that is like this is is like the affair of the munafiqeen and the munafiqeen or the the, the mushrikeen, like the affair of the mushrikeen. The reality of the mushrikeen, the mushrikeen of Quraysh. As these individuals, they were individuals that believed in the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And well, they would affirm that the Nabi is the Messenger of Allah, some of them. And so these are individuals that will affirm that Allah Ta'ala is the Rabbul Alameen. So Allah Ta'ala mentions, وَإِنْ سَأَلْتَهُمْ مَنْ خَلَقَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ لَيَكُلُّونَ اللَّهِ And if you were to ask them, I don't mushrikeen. I don't that associate with the partnership with Allah and their ibadah. If you were to ask them, who created the heavens and the earth? Indeed, they will state Allah. And they will affirm, they will know that Allah created the heavens and the earth. However, the fact that they affirm this, or the fact that they recognize even the fact within their own belief that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only one that is deserving of worship, this mere belief. Or this belief 
is not something which will suffice them to enter into Islam. And rather, it necessitates that they state this shahada upon the tongue. They state the shahada upon the tongue. Likewise with the shahada. The shahada of la ilaha illallah. You find that people, depending upon what they're upon as individuals, will define the shahada in different ways. One of them is that they will state that the shahada of la ilaha illallah means la khalika illallah. The shahada of la ilaha illallah is that there is no creator besides Allah. This is shahada of la ilaha illallah. Is one where they say that there's no creator besides Allah. There's no creator besides Allah. And this is what they regard the shahad of la ilaha illallah to mean. This is problematic. This specific definition is problematic due to the fact that if a person states that the shahada of la ilaha illallah means that there's no creator besides Allah, and if we say simultaneously as well that the shahada of la ilaha illallah is a statement that a person needs to enter into Islam, then lisan al-hal, that which it necessitates now, is that the individual that believes that Allah is the creator and affirms that Allah Ta'ala is the creator, then this is, this is sufficient to enter them into Islam. And it goes back to, again, the discussion about the mushrikeen. Hence the mushrikeen, these individuals, would affirm that Allah is the creator. But we know they have not entered into Islam. So these individuals that worship other than Allah, whilst fully affirming that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the creator, these same individuals will now, based upon this definition, enter into Islam. No doubt this is Batil. Likewise, with this definition, this specific definition, <coughs> with this specific definition, Barakallahu Fikum, it only focuses upon the affair of the Rubiya of Allah, the Lordship of Allah. This definition of the Shahada of La ilaha illallah only focuses upon the Lordship of Allah, Ayyaz al And there's no discussion thereafter in relation to the Uruhiyah, Ayyaz worship. So this is why this definition here is problematic.
and thus cannot be a correct definition for the shahada of la ilaha illallah. The second or second definition that you may find people bring for the shahada of la ilaha illallah is la wujud ilahin illallah. Or as they translate it in English, that there's no God but Allah. And there's no deity but Allah. This is something where you find individuals, when it's translated specifically in English, this specific definition of La ilaha illallah is translated in such a way on a regular basis. Whilst it's erroneous, it's an erroneous translation. The first reason why it is an error to define La ilaha illallah in such a way that there's no God but Allah, or there's no deity but Allah, the first reason why this is incorrect is due to the fact that it's as referred to as Khilaf al-Waqi. It opposes reality, it opposes that which is occurring. Because in reality, there are all, there are other things that are taken as gods besides Allah. There are other things that are taken as deities besides Allah. So we cannot say there's no god of Allah because there are false gods. There are deities, there are false deities. There are deities that are worshipped other than Allah Ta'ala, they exist. So this definition is in opposition to reality. That's the first issue. The second, and this is the worst, and the second uh, reason why it's problematic, this specific definition and translation, is that what it necessitates is the Tikalu Hulul. The Tikalu Hulul, i.e., the belief that Allah Ta'ala is within the creation. How? This is due to the fact that if a person states that there is no God besides Allah, I saw nothing, there is no deity besides Allah, this now necessitates that anything that is taken as a deity is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So anything that is taken as a god, a deity, something that is worshipped, is thus Allah. And no doubt this is Batil. And so then we have the third definition. This is the definition which is in accordance with the Haqq. That la ilaha illallah Ma'nahu or ma'naha, the meaning of this kalima is la ma'buda bi haqqin illallah. Meaning that there is no deity worthy of worship in truth besides Allah. This is the definition of la ilaha illallah, the shahada of la ilaha illallah. There is no deity worthy of worship in truth besides Allah. So anything that is worshipped 
other than Allah, then we know that this is not worshipping truth. And so when a person states the shahada of la ilaha illallah, they are affirming that there's nothing worthy and deserving of worship in truth besides Allah. So they don't just say that there's no creator besides Allah. Because this is not sufficient. Nor do they state that there's no deity besides Allah. Because this is not true. There are other deities. that There are other things that are taken as items of worship besides Allah. Rather, what you have to, what it has to mean is that the istihqaq, the affair of deserving, is only with Allah. And the haqq, the due right, and the truth, a true ibadah, is only with Allah. And so this is the correct definition when stating this definition of la ilaha illallah. In relation to the shahada of la ilaha illallah also is the fact that it has seven conditions. There are seven main conditions for the shahada of la ilaha illallah. The first of them is al-ilm, knowledge. The first condition of the shahada of la ilaha illallah is ilm, is knowledge. And opposite of that, didduhu, is jahl. So a person must possess knowledge. A knowledge of what they are stating upon their tongue. The second is al-yaqeen. The second is certainty. What did the whole shak? And opposite of that is doubt. A person should not be in any doubt based upon this this statement they state they're stating upon their tongue the shahada of la ilaha illallah they're stating upon the tongue they should have yaqeen in that regard they should have certainty in that regard the third is al-ikhlas is al-ikhlas and diddu al-shirk the third is the person is mukhis he's sincere that the statement of the shahada is sincerely for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone, without any partners. The individual is sincere in this regard. The fourth, the fourth affair is a sidq. Either individual states the shahada and they're truthful when they're stating, in their statement. And opposite of that being al-kathib, an individual lying. An individual is truthful, then he will state that which he holds within his heart. By way of his belief that there's no deity worthy of worshipping truth besides Allah. The fifth is al-mahabba. The fifth condition is mahabba, love. وَدِدُّهَا الْبُغْدُ and the opposite of that is hatred. And the fifth is love, that the individual has love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first and foremost. Has love for the statement that he's stating that from the shah of the shahada. And the opposite of that is hatred. 
לסוף פעל אינחיאד. That the person accepts, have acceptance of this affair, of the shahada, and anything that it necessitates. So this is the shahada of la ilaha illallah. And part of the shahada, any part of the two shahadas, the two things the person bears witness. The second part of the shahada is under Muhammad Rasulullah. The second part of the shahada is that a person affirms that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the messenger of Allah. Muhammad sallallahu is the messenger of Allah. And Ahlul Ilm, rahimahumullah, they define this affair of the shahada under Muhammad Rasulullah by way of the following. The shahada ومحمد رسول الله استصديق فيما أخبره تصديق فيما أخبره So a person first and foremost they believe him and they believe in that which he's informed us of they believe that which he, they have informed he's informed us of وطاعته فيما عمره And they obey him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what he's commanded. وَاجْتِنَاب مَا نَحَوْ عَنْ وَزَجَرْ And they avoid and stay away from the affairs that he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, has prohibited and warned against. And this is how a person manifests, manifests this affair of the shahada of Muhammad Rasulullah. Again, no doubt, it's important for the individual to state it upon the tongue. They state the affair of the shahada upon the tongue. Muhammad Rasulullah, they state this upon the tongue. Whilst having to believe it within their heart as well. And then these are ways in which it becomes manifest. Now that a person has to believe him in what he's informed us of. For indeed he, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, has discussed affairs with us by way of his sunnah or by way of the revelation found in the book of Allah Anything that he has informed us of, we know, is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so thus we know it's the truth. 
We know that this is wahi from Allah Ta'ala. And thus we know by necessity that it's the truth. And this is the reality of the, of the affair of the shahada. This is the reality of the affair of the shah of the shahada of La ilaha illallah or Muhammad Rasulullah. As Allah Ta'ala mentioned, Ma yandiku anil hawa in huwa illa wahyun yuha. And he does not speak or any pronunciation from his desires regarding the Messenger of Allah. Rather, it is, his speech is wahi. His speech is revelation. And he has received the wahi. He has received revelation. This, barakallahu feekum, is the affair of the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi And as we mentioned previously, that the individual, the individual that seeks to adhere to this affair of loving the Messenger of Allah Wasallam, then upon him is to adhere to his sunnah adhere to the sunnah that he is commanded us with and it could be sunnati upon you is my sunnah the sunnah that likewise Allah Ta'ala has commanded us, commanded us with as well Hold on firm the rope of Allah, all of you be not divided. And the rope of Allah being the Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And the Book of Allah. These are the affairs that we have been commanded with, Barakullahu Fikum. And so this is the first thing that the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu mentions in this narration. The Islam is built upon five, the Shahada of La ilaha illallah wa anna Muhammad Rasulullah. Thereafter, he mentioned, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, wa iqamatu salah, I establish in the prayer. Here, Shaykh Fawzan, Hafidahullah, he mentions the distinction between iqamatu salah or mentioned by or merely mentioning what a salli salatakamafala. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And likewise Allah tabarak wa ta'ala. When mentioning the affair of the salah, they mention it with the wording of iqama. And yukimu. Yukimu salah. Iqamatu salah. Or when the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says to Jibreel, wa taqimu salah. I to establish the prayer. And it wasn't mentioned, I had to pray your prayer. The reason for this, as Sheikh Fawzan mentions, is that a qamat salah and establishing a prayer has specific requirements. From these requirements, is that the person prays in the same manner that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu prays. This is from the means of establishing a prayer. 
as he stated, as he stated, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Sallu kama ra'aytumuni usalli. Pray as you've seen me pray. Or the iqamah of salah as well, being the fact that the individual, he doesn't mean to just do the actions of the prayer. Naam, so he doesn't just mean to do the actions of the prayer, the, the qiyam, ruhu, sujood, and other than that. Rather, iqamah of salah, the requirements for iqamah of salah, establishing the prayer, is that the individual prays with khushur. So he prays with humility. When he establishes the prayer, when he prays, his heart is attentive. In that salah. His heart is attentive and present within that salah. This is the individual that establishes the prayer. Likewise, the one that establishes the prayer, for example, from the men, is that they establish the prayer in the jama'ah. They establish the prayer in the salat of jama'ah. They establish it in congregation. So again, all of this being from the affair of establishing the prayer. Likewise, Establishing the prayer, meaning that the person doesn't doesn't pray their salah if and when they feel like it. Rather, they establish it, the individual that established the prayer by way of praying it within its prescribed times. As Allah Ta'ala mentions, in the salah, that indeed the salah, the prayer, has been prescribed and legislated upon the believers at, at its appointed times. So there again, a person prays, and he must pray at his appointed time. Pray the salah at his appointed time. Thereafter, we understand from all of these affairs put together, enough of them, that this is the manner in which a person establishes the prayer. And this is the manner of iqamah salah. And this is why Allah ta'ala and the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam they mentioned the affair of establishing the prayer. And this is how, this is what needs to be done to establish this affair of the salah. And Allah ta'ala knows best. Thereafter, within the narration, the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he mentions, وَإِتَعِ زَكَاءَ I to give the zakah. This affair of the zakah is one where you find it's mentioned alongside the salah within many of the nusus. So not, just, not just this narration. All the narration that preceded the hadith of Jibreel where the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, mentions to, to, to establish the prayer and then give the zakah. Likewise, Allah Ta'ala mentioned, وَمَا أُمِرُوا 
Except to worship Allah Ta'ala alone, sincerely for Him in their religion. Hunafa, yani individuals that are from the Hunafa, the middle of Ibrahim, the original Ibrahim. And they establish the prayer and give the zakah, and that is the upright religion. So thereafter, after the mentioning of establishing the prayer and giving the zakah, and that being the upright religion, Allah has mentioned these two things together. The salah and the zakah. And this is an indication of the status of zakah in deen. And the fact that zakah is from the affairs that the religion is built upon, as mentioned in this narration. And from the benefits of zakah, is that it is a means of purifying the wealth of the ibadillah. So the pain of the zakah is a means of purifying a person's wealth. For a person now, they have exerted themselves and paid from their wealth for the sake of Allah. And this is something that is also affirmed and discussed by Sheikh Fawzan in his explanation of Falafatul Usul, where he discusses the affair of ibadah and the different forms of ibadah and how ibadah can be the ibadah to badan. Uh, the worship that is done of the body or the ibadah of the mal the worship is done with the wealth or ibadah to the badan when mal ma'an or the ibadah the worship which is done with the body and the wealth together and so this affair of the zakah is from the forms of ibadah which is performed with the person's wealth and that the person, once they've reached a certain amount, they pay the zakah of 2.5% of that wealth for those who are deserving. Those who are deserving. And this is a means of bringing about and aiding those that are in need within the societies. And it's something which is beneficial for the one giving it, for indeed he's carrying out an action of ibadah, thus will allow him to draw nearer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Likewise, it's beneficial for the one that's receiving it. It's beneficial for their affairs of the dunya. And that wealth may be a means of easing any hardship upon them. 
Thereafter, some narrations mention Al Hajj al Bayt was some Ramadan. If we Hajj to the house of Allah in Mecca and then the fast of Ramadan. In other narrations, mention was some Ramadan al Hajj al Bayt. And some of the Muhaddithin they mentioned that the the order, specific order of the mention of the of the Hajj or the fasting <coughs> is that the fasting should be mentioned first. The fast should be mentioned first. And this is in uh, accordance with the other narrations that I mentioned fasting then the Hajj. And that any mention of the Hajj first is the qalb within the narration, either the a change or a switch within the narration. And so you have the Hajj, or you have the fast, and then you have the Hajj. The fast that's been mentioned here is the Somm Ramadan, the fast of Ramadan. This is the fast which is an obligation upon every Muslim, male, balik, and the female, unless she has legislated reasons. Allah Ta'ala mentions Ya ayyuhal ladhina amunu Kutiba alaykum al-siyamu Kama kutiba ala al-ladhina min kabalikum La'alakum tattakun O you who believe Indeed the fast have been prescribed And made an obligation upon you Just as it has been prescribing an obligation upon those that come before you So that you may be from those That have attained taqwa by way of it this ayah is an indication, as Shaykh Urfaymin, he mentions, this ayah is an indication of the greatest hadaf, min ahdaf, the greatest goal that can be achieved from the goals of fasting. And that's the goal of a person attaining taqwa. That when an individual fasts, it is hoped that by way of that fast, it is a means of them attaining the taqwa of Allah. لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ So in the hope, they may be from those who are pious. Likewise, <coughs> from the benefits of the fast as well, and it being made obligatory upon us is that the fast allows for the individual to increase in sabr. That a servant of Allah increases in patience. For he's leaving off the things that he desires. He leaves off the things that he desires from food and drink and the like of it. And he does so hoping for the reward of his Lord. However, of course, 
in doing so, this requires patience. It requires that the servants of Allah is patient in being obedient, is patient in adhering to the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Likewise, from the benefits of the fast as well, like all of these mentioned by Sheikh Hufaymin, is that the fast is a means of increasing the person, the servant of Allah, in gratitude. In gratitude for the things that he has by way of his provisions. For if when he is fasting, he's able to reflect upon the things that he has by way of provisions. And reflect upon the hal of those that are not able to attain the same provision. So they reflect he's able to reflect upon the reality of a person who's not eating or drinking, not because of the fast of Ramadan, but due to their economic circumstance. And so then as a reality of that, due to their circumstance, they're not able to fast. And as a reality, was a consequence, was they're not able to eat or drink rather. The person's not able to eat or drink due to their economic circumstance, due to their poverty. And so as a consequence of that, they are individuals that find themselves in these hardships. No doubt it's not something which is done in a voluntary manner. Even though, no doubt, the fast of the servant of Allah is is an obligation, they are volunteering themselves to leave off their food and their drink and their desires for the sake of Allah. And so when they leave off these things, it should be a means of them reflecting upon those that do not have food and drink and they're not leaving it off voluntarily. And if they are able to reflect and take heed of that, then it should be a means of increasing them in being grateful to their Lord for what he has given them from provisions. Because when the time comes and the sun sets, they are able to continue eating and drinking as they were before. However, some individuals are bereft of these provisions of food and drink. And so these are some of the benefits mentioned by Sheikh Hufaymin for the affair of the fast of Ramadan. And in the final pillar mentioned with this narration is the pillar of the Hajj. If whoever has the ability to perform Hajj, when Sata'ilahi Sabila. And Al-Hajj, as Allah Taala mentions, is Ashur Ma'lumat. Are known months, the Hajj months and the World months. These months being Shawwal, Dhul-Qa'dah, and Dhul-Hijjah. 
And the person, it's upon the servant of Allah, the Muslim, to perform Hajj once within their lifetime. Like the Hajj of their Islam. To perform this Hajj once in their lifetime. Whoever has the ability. And what we understand by this affair of istita'ah is istita'ah al-badani wal-maliyah. So the person who has the ability by way of their body, their physical ability, as well as the istita'at al-maliyah, the ability by way of their wealth. So they have the physical ability. They are physically able to travel from wherever they live to Makkah to perform Hajj. If they have this, then they have ability in this regard. Likewise, a person has the financial ability. And there's a discussion about what is financial ability. And financial ability, what we understand financial ability to be in terms of hajj is that the person is able to pay to make hajj whilst not causing themselves or to bring about any form of destruction to themselves or those around them or anything like that. And so if they have provisions and they have enough wealth to perform the hajj, as well as they have the physical ability, then they are from those that have the istita'ah. And Allah Ta'ala knows best. They're from those that have the ability to do so. I said, upon them is hajj. Upon them is to perform the hajj. And the hajj <coughs> is of three types. The hajj, there are three different types of hajj. The first is known as hajj al-tamattu'ah. Hajj So the first is Hajj al-Tamatta. This is where the individual first performs Umrah within the months of Hajj. They perform Umrah within one of the months of Hajj. And of course, because they perform an Umrah, they're in the state of Ihram. After completing the Umrah, they come out of the state of Ihram. And then when the ayam of Hajj begin once again, so for example, the eighth day of Dhul-Hijjah, and the days of Hajj begin once again, then they assume ihram once again, and then they perform the Hajj. This is Hajj al The second, which is known as Hajj al-Kiran. Hajj al-Kiran, right, the second type, is where the person... They perform the Umrah, as we mentioned previously, like Hajj al However, they do not leave the state of Ihram. They remain in the state of Ihram and conclude their Hajj. So they perform Umrah and then they remain in the state of Ihram and then when Hajj time comes, they perform the Hajj. This is Hajj al-Kiran. And the third type is Hajj al-Ifrad. The third is Hajj al-Ifrad. And this is the Hajj where the person performs Hajj alone, without any Umrah beforehand. And so these are the three types of Hajj. And the Hajj the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, performed the Hajj al-Wada'a, was the Hajj al-Kiran. was the Hajj al-Kiran. And Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala knows best. And so these were the five pillars mentioned by the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in this narration 
when discussing Islam and what Islam is built upon and for the ikhwah that are present the the next our next uh, sitting bin the light Allah will go through the next narration within the forty hadith and <coughs> as for homework inshallah ta'ala for this lesson then if the brothers can repeat for me the seven conditions of the shahada of La ilaha illallah as well as as well as mentioning to me which is the best type of hajj so we mentioned three types of hajj and so the homework is which is the best type of hajj and what is the delil what is the proof that X, Y or Z any tamattu, kiran or ifrad is the best type of hajj so you should say which one is the best type tamattu, kiran or ifrad and along with that stating with the delil naam fajazakumullah khaira wa barakallahu fikum we'll conclude here inshallah ta'ala وصلى الله وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم